Uh, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. Is he a quarterback? A question. Define Ruth Wiener. <laughs> Don't. Ryan. Sorry, I was looking at Chris's tweet. Um, what was all the stuff you said? <laughs> Fair enough. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the substandard expanded universe. The SSEU podcast is hosted by the incomparable Ryan Kinney, an Anglican priest, and myself. You can find us on your usual podcast machine and in adult entertainment stores along interstates in the state of Missouri. The SSEU podcast started as a tribute podcast to the murdered substandard podcast and has since become a leading intellectual pop culture voice in the debate in both the United States and Europe. If you have complaints, we recommend finding Ryan Kinney's number in the salary book and sending him a text message. You can also shoot us an email at sseupod at gmail.com and find our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sseupod. I'm getting pretty good at that forward slash, I must say. Yeah, Yeah, it used to be a slosh. (laughs) We are not alone today, but we are joined by multiple times guests, uh, Matt Robarts and Shannon Last, who are here today to talk about the Disney movie Moana. Uh, welcome, guys. Mm-hmm. Hi. Good to be here, Thomas. Moana Redux. Just out of How the- many ducks are in Moana? <laughs> I bet it. Remember flag. No. Uh, Shannon, who's your favorite Disney princess? Hmm. That's a tough one, Thomas. That's a loaded Rank question. The Disney princesses. Encanto. That's my favorite. Princess Encanto. I th- one. I think. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Cut. We're sending it to the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> she has oh. a name. <laughs> Say her Lucy? name. I've already I had call her Jasmine. Mm-mm. No, nope. no. Jasmine was the <laughs> Middle Eastern. Fran- Francis. You're not going to get it. You're not. I You're don't... really not. No. What's her name? <laughs> You're not going to get it. This oh. is what she Clint has Smith's a frog book friend. is about how the word is passed. This is how the word is passed. Anyway, the best Disney princess is Moana. Okay. Uh, Matt? Uh, the one you were looking for was Tiana. Mm-hmm. Who's the protagonist in the princess and the frog? You were you were probably close. You were probably close. The protagonist? Oh. Okay. Uh, the worst Disney princess is Ariel. The second worst Disney princess is Pocahontas. The best Disney princess. Don't give me that look, Shannon. You know I'm right. And the best Disney princess is probably Elsa. No one disagrees. Uh, I, I do, but you know, sure. You know who's a great Disney princess is Anna. True. Way over Elsa. On a greater that's, sign, Elsa. That's just because you have a crush on Kristen Bell. That's all it is. Shut up. Ryan, who do you think is the best Disney princess? <clears throat> Aladdin. Okay. Piper. That's fair. Did I tell you guys about Got that? Got that. Flash's middle school musical. Did he play a Disney princess? So he played number Jasmine. five. He did I tell you this, Thomas? So they're doing no. Frozen the musical at his school. Ooh. And um he's gonna be the reindeer. No, he's he's Prince Hans, which is so perfect in so many ways because buff, self-absorbed, really likes, you know, has a grand plan. Kind of a psycho. 
little bit not super stable, a little moody. Okay. Yeah. What is what is Has Flash's a baseball grand podcast plan? with friends? What is Flash's grand plan? It seems to involve at this point in his life figuring out a career that allows him to be either sequentially or simultaneously a lead guitarist in a Bon Jovi like band that will star him, a priest, and an MLB pitcher. I think any I, two of those is completely doable. And he's like, you know, these things are just going to happen to me because he lives life with the cheat codes on. And things yeah. just happen. All the good things. He he looks in one direction and says, I think I'll try that. And they're like, here, have this lead role. Just have it. This is essentially how we describe Patrick for most of his life, too. And apparently still, because like he falls into one job where he knows nothing about this industry and ends up being their corporate witness or their corporate i'm not thinking of the right word um <laughs> their corporate rep where he just sits yeah. at trials and advises gets paid tons of, he's ton an of money expert witness just to, yeah he's not an expert witness he he chastised he's me a decidedly non-expert witness yeah, he he's just the he's corporate rep he, he, <laughs> he, uh, and, and then he just rolls right into you know starting his own company i see yeah. the inverse of jvl's Child, Jonathan is working so hard to give them the childhood he didn't have, and it's sort of like coming back to bite him. He's a little bit like, "Oh, here, get this spot on this team. Oh, here, here's a." <laughs> he better never. And, and now he's touchdown. gonna have to. He's gonna have to coach, which is the worst. Oh, he's mm. so excited. He shouldn't be. I I knew you would say that after your basketball experience, but he's no, so excited. Not, no, I'm talking about. Middle school baseball is going to be terrible. It's going to be really smelly. And they're oh, going to so smelly. It's going to be the least. <laughs> but I think it's going to be fun partly because it's pro- it's the last time he'll really be able to actually coach Flash. You know, at mm-hmm. he can't coach in high school probably. Um, um I think oh, most most uh, most dads would uh, would would argue with you there. I mean, they, they do he, it for the bleachers, but I mean, they're oh yeah, well that's true. He doesn't do that, but. Mostly it's going to be, I think the team will consist of anyone at his school who wants to play baseball. And um, so I think it's just going to be like a big fun, you know, bonding thing several times a week with all of his buddies. And, um, and JVL also needs something that isn't in this house and and isn't work. It isn't camping. And isn't camping it doesn't and isn't involve like a lot of shopping parenting stuff. Or, wait, know, like, will, will coaching involve a lot of shopping? Will he have to get a whole? Oh, yeah. He'll have to get a wardrobe. Oh, to get I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him some good shirts. A coaching smock. Um, <laughs> a titanium you know got... stopwatch timing runs down to first, pay, yes. first base. It's got to be accurate. <laughs> right. No, exactly. sure like some sort of special chronometer. Yeah. You know. And then there'll be special on-field well, shoes with the emp hits oh, yes, oh yeah of like we're still gonna be able to time kids going to first that's right it's like what if there's an emp and i need to know if this kid should steal second base or not i think it's gonna be like well, okay but okay but no 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 no, no. F- follow me around the room here what if it's like a movie where like the bad kids challenge the good kids to like some sort of sports ball match to save the rec center uh, and which team is Flash on? It's well, I mean, if the it's one North that wins. Korea, if it's North Korea against New Jersey, there are no winners here. There is no good guy. <laughs> but like, 
It's North Korea against the United States for the fate of the country. And North Korea obviously cheats by setting off an EMP. And JVL saves the day with his because the only one he's got the most he still knows and when he to can send the runners. That it's the safe guy. to send the runner. Exactly. There you go. This pitcher's like he is not of a slide step, and I'm timing him to home. And and we're gonna steal second. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's catcher. job is gonna be the guy who stands in the dugout, like with one <laughs> foot up out of the dugout, and he just yells, Balk! Every time the pitcher does anything other than throw directly to us. That's awesome. <laughs> that that is a job in uh middle school baseball. It's, it's a job in every baseball. Parents, the sports parents are the worst. Oh, the I remember worst. a tournament a year or two ago. I don't even know. Time is completely meaningless. But where all I could hear, it, it wasn't our field. It was like two fields away. And I could just hear this parent, this dad, sc- like just screaming over and over. Um, it was something like, oh, it was, it was throw a strike. Throw, throw strikes, strikes. Throw strikes. Throw strikes. Throw strikes. Just throw strikes. Yeah, just throw strikes. Such and great then, advice. And right. then um, I wish I'd thought of that myself. It's like yeah, being and a then bowling it was like, coach, you know, knock down all bring the pins. You know, just and I'm like, well, who do you think this is helping? Everyone here now hates you. <laughs> in this kids. fictional, in this in this movie, we're we're putting together here. Thomas is the like slightly deranged but ultimately lovable computer hacker guy who figures out how to dial the other team's bullpen phone. You're the guy in the MI5 dugout. <laughs> so Chris can just sit in the dugout, picking up the bullpen phone and calling like, I need you to get this pitcher ready. Yes. And then like, and it's all warmed starts- up. And then yeah, the other yeah, pitchers yeah. are just so tired because they've been warming up the whole game. <laughs> the whole time. He's like calling the dugout and placing like takeout orders to the dugout. Transition. Ryan, I, I have been waiting on this opportunity s- s- since before you bailed on us last time we were supposed to record. Uh, I tried to R- join. R- Ryan. You just didn't uh, have enough foam. Uh, right, I don't know this, Shannon, <laughs> but did you know that Ryan has kept a dog secret from us for two and a half years? I kept it secret. I've That's literally you have definitely it on the kept, internet. kept him secret. I have, I when we first got that. it, I... When we first got the stupid dog, I posted pictures of it in premium and everywhere else that people could have looked at it. And, and so, I think I remember you walking a dog at some point. Sure. He punched no, a dog. That's <laughs> that was, that was, that was a different dog. That was I had. I did have to fight a dog. Um, <laughs> I won in case anyone's wondering um, in case Michael Vick wants to put me in his team. We got the dog right after Piper was born around the same time. I don't remember the dates. We, you know, we adopted him from the Austin Pets Alive, paid all kinds of money. The same place that we got our kitten from where the guy, you know, tricked, tricked us. He said that the, the kitten died when it really didn't, when he really just wanted to give it to his, you know, bang neighbor. He gave it to her instead. <laughs> his neighbor. He wanted to give it to her instead because what kind of he wanted neighbor? bang neighbor. Uh, so he told us that the kitten that we'd like already met and decided on. He tells me that it died instead of just telling me 
look, I want to give it to this girl instead because she wants it because it was the cutest kitten. So instead he tells us it died, which didn't. I was going to do a whole investigation on him and do like a whole like, um, you know, Nancy Grace on him. But I then you had a baby. It wasn't worth it. But I was going to I was going to do like a Judge Janine on him. So he was a rowdy puppy, which shouldn't have been a surprise. But at one point he did something where he kind of like scratched jack's face and jack had a cut like under his eye and i think it was because dad jack did something that irritated him and again this was three years ago i don't really remember exactly what the details were so uh rose's parents have a ton of land we rose and i both freaked out because we're like well what if that was piper like what if he accidentally what if he just was rowdy and accidentally jumped on piper or something and so we were just like let's just send him over to rose's parents house um well and let him just hang out over there and he because they have he was like he was living it up over there he had like a you big yard to, run to boarding in, school essentially um so then basically ever <clears throat> since that day has been perpetually telling the boys oh yeah we're gonna get hopper back like his name's hopper we're gonna get him back like any time now and it was like, you know, two and a half years of putting it off. And so finally, before a couple of days before Christmas this year, we brought him back home. He is a lot more calm now. It worked out perfectly. He got all his like crazy puppy years out. Now he's just like a calm and he's like, I don't, we got really lucky. He's like so obedient. He does like whatever I tell him. The day I brought him back here, Rose was like asleep on the couch and he was like kind of going crazy but then as soon as he realized he like sniffed and realized that it was rose sleeping on the couch he jumped up on top of the couch and like sat with his front paws over her and just like sat like he was just like on guard duty just over her until she woke up and basically like he if she's home like he doesn't leave her side well, Rose is the best, so... Wait no. until Hopper finds out what you do to sled dogs. What I'm hearing is that you gave this dog PTSD, and now he won't leave Rose's side. Yeah, he's definitely... He's he's fucked up. He's, I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> he's afraid. He's afraid if he does Don't anything wrong. Ever again. <laughs> if, Don't if, send if, me away. If, if he makes the wrong like move. Drip, drip, no, drip, we've... we've stop. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> There really aren't that many dogs that get a second chance after they get sent to the farm upstate. No, they're in the Christmas trees. That's when what I think. There, they he don't come he back. should feel he instead of thinking like, oh, man, I better not screw up again. Number one. Yeah, you shouldn't. Number two, you should feel lucky that you got to come back. Those other dogs that are at our grandparents house, they because her parents, her dad, he doesn't see an animal like that. He doesn't rescue. Like if it's just like it doesn't matter where it is. He brings it back and he builds he builds on to their, he's like got this huge shed in their backyard and he adds on to it and he adds on to their fencing so that he can rescue more animals. Like they've got, it's just like. It, it's actually really sweet. That, that's really sweet. But Ryan, to quote you, and I quote, I'd like to think that he rescued us is what you said about your dog. I did not say that. That's disgusting. <laughs> Uh, all the Chris, things that you think is disgusting that's the thing yes that's the one <laughs> that crossed the line well yeah because that's that's almost like this people because what what we I have an emotional the people bond that, with this that animal and like, damn it i'm that, not okay that, with that, that act like their dog or their pet is a kid <laughs> and they're like oh well i'm a 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a puppy. I'm a cry. puppy daddy. So, so, so you don't have. Build myself like, Rose doesn't have dog mom in her butt. In my name her on Insta it. bio. Oh, if she ever said dog mom, she, <laughs> I mean, she would throw up before I even could say anything. Like, why is Janet quoting Tobias Fuke? <laughs> why isn't Shannon quoting Tobias Fuke? <laughs> because I was talking about Ryan being so intense. John Wayne. Like John Wayne. I'm gonna build myself an airport. Put my name, my name on it. On it. <laughs> For about 15 minutes, Shannon, you were taking bites of ice cream. I would just like to know how oh, much ice cream you had. Not um, much because I had oh. a giant. I thought that was sour cream. Scone right before it. No, it's it was just a pint of um sour cream. No, it was, uh, the like the coconut. Everything goes be- better with a cream. pint of Daisy is what they say. Ugh, yeah. I had to stop or I would have gone through the whole thing. Do do we need to talk about this discovery about Disney princesses? Yeah, okay, we can do that really briefly. It won't take long. Uh, for some reason, so there is <clears throat> there is an official Disney princess registry maintained by the Walt Disney Company. And Anna and Elsa, despite being actual princesses within their movie, like it's kind of a big part of the plot that they are princesses. <clears throat> it's Coronation Day. They didn't make it? They are not considered Disney princesses. However, Mulan, who is not a princess, is considered a Disney princess. She's a, the words she's a even peasant. have meanings anymore. I mean, when your parents are a king and queen and you are the This is the sort of children. postmodern bullshit that Ross Douthat was railing against. And I, for <laughs> one, am with him. We need less postmodernism. Words need to have no, meaning. No, this is what... And also, we need a Disney princess who fucks on the first date. This this is what they were trying Agreed. to do in Star Wars. They were trying to make um, Ray just like from dirt, from dirt people. But she could also be a princess if she wanted to be. Mulan is basically what they wanted to I, do. With is Rey. the daughter of an emperor a princess, though? I don't think so. No, she's, she's not the daughter of the emperor, wasn't she? Granddaughter. Are you talking about Ray or Mulan? Ray, Emperor Palpatine. He'd, he'd been but, deposed. But what Ryan Johnson was going to do was going to make her just from randos. You're nobody. From meth heads. No, she, I think Shannon raises like, an important question here. Are there princesses in Star Trek? What important question did I raise? About whether Ryan was Star talking Trek? about Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Did I, say I never Trek? can keep those straight. Here's they happen in the sky. Go watch a Star Wars. Go watch a Star Trek. Exactly right. <laughs> so did you guys see the... the uh, satirical tweet uh, this evening about leonardo dicaprio um one of his ex-girlfriends can i ask are we a hundred percent sure that that was satirical <laughs> i don't because i it. want to believe it's 60 percent of like, me hopes that it's yeah, true no and if it's true he'll become my favorite person on earth what i mean wait so the tweet is breaking leonardo dicaprio's ex-girlfriend camilla maroney details quote the worst date of my life, unquote, with the actor. Quote, she rented, he rented out a whole cinema and made me watch every single Star Wars movie while he ran around with his lightsaber pretending to fight bad guys. <laughs> Pretty funny. I mean, I, I, I think I want to believe that that's true. Like, I would like him so much more. I want to live in a world where that's true. I, I want to believe I think this was probably a running joke in many circles, but when Don't Look Up came out and someone said the most unrealistic thing about the movie is that right. he's dating someone his own age. All right. And he tends to date 
Yeah, and then what was 20s. the other joke? Um, people oh. give it. People give him shit about his environmentalism, but if you're, they said, if you're gonna, if he's gonna date twenty three year olds into his eighties, then he does care about the health of the planet. <laughs> okay, Matt, are we? Do you have a quiz? Are we? Are, are we doing a quiz? We can do a quiz. I have a quiz. Do people wish to do a quiz? Yes. Yes. Does the quiz have a title? Uh, it is the it is the sequel. To the second the annual first annuals, which might make it the second annual uh, bad person quiz in the before times. I might've called it the bad person quiz to electric boogaloo, but many of the people on this list have taken that phrase and, <laughs> and appropriated it, it to something mean something else. kind of gross. So I'm not, I think the bad share. person quiz was one of our highlights from this past year. And if we had done an end of the year podcast, it would have made it on my so, best of the year. The bad person quiz is very simple. We have 20 questions, <laughs> multiple choice. Each of you will get a chance to answer the questions. Whoever gets the most right at the end wins. What is wrong with you, Chris? Unless it's Ryan. All right. Is everybody ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm tired. Wait, how does this work? <laughs> I will read the statement and then read a quote and I will ask you who is responsible for that quote or that statement. I have a question though. Are we competing or are we on the same team? You are competing for fabulous prizes. Like are are we walk me through how we'd be on the same team? One answer as a team? No. Or each our own. Okay. Each of you will be submitting. We're gonna put the words in the sentence in order, is what we're gonna do. (laughs) How do we bust in? I will call upon you. In order. Oh, he makes us oh. give answers in random, random orders. Everybody it's almost like you guys haven't answer. listened to the episode where we did this the first time, like three times. First time hearing about it. All right. Is everybody ready? Shannon, still you're ready. the only person who hasn't had asked a question like you're really confused. Are you good? I'm still ready. Do you know I'm whether we're watching Star Trek or Star Wars? I have Wars. done the opposite of asked questions. I've helped, helped you explain this. That's fair. Helped? That's fair. And I thank you, Ryan. All right. Number one. I wish more people, young and old, would understand the gravity of this moment and apply that kind of grace in their daily lives. So Selena Zito wrote that and attributed that quote to one of the following. A, a 13-year-old French girl named Matilda. Number two, B, a retired steelworker at a gas station on Route 22 with an Obama Biden sticker on his pickup truck. C, swing voter Dave Rubico, a longtime union Democrat from Erie County, Pennsylvania, who it turns out ran for local office as a Republican and described Donald Trump as, and I quote here, (laughs) the savior of the nation. He's a swing voter, though. But yes, and a longtime Democrat. Uh, Or D, Bethany Mandel, an American author and writer who homeschools her children. A, (laughs) 13-year-old French girl. B, retired steel worker. <clears throat> C, swing voter who thinks Donald Trump is Jesus. Or D, Beth Mandel, Shannon. A, B, C, or D. <laughs> We're all the same person in a, some really important ways. Um, I, I'm going to go with, I just enjoyed C so much that I'm going to go with Dave. Chris. Oh, man. Does, does Selena Zito... Um, make up quotes for Bethany Mandel. I've I don't think so. I've got to go Erie County. No, I'm going to go with uh, Route 22. That was A, right? That was B. Route B. 22. No, French girl was Matilda is A. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go B. I'm going to go B. I'm going to go B. Ryan, 
I think I'm going to go B also. Um, but I really think that she could have made that quote up for any of them. Thomas? <laughs> uh, I'm with uh, Shannon C. Okay. All four of you are wrong. The answer oh. is A. Matilda? 15-year-old <laughs> French girl. <laughs> All four of these, by the way, are characters. Because Matilda is on her beat? I, I, okay. All four of these characters the have appeared in either Selena Zito's book or in her articles for the Washington Examiner. Wow. Okay. Did they know that they have? Did, did they ex- Never mind. Question two. Quote, just told my daughter about hashtag RBG. She had tears in her eyes. And then she did the Wakanda pose and said hashtag Ruth Conda forever which is the sort of pop culture crossover that I can celebrate. How old was the daughter in that tweet? Mm. Was it A, seven, B, eight, D, nine, uh, D, uh, yeah, D, nine or, or, or 10? Seven, eight, nine, or 10? Seven, eight, nine, or 10. Uh, Chris? Eight. Ryan? Seven. Thomas? Seven. Shannon? Seven. Again, all of you were wrong. The answer is 10. Damn. Usually they skew young on those like, yeah. my child did this precocious See, thing. This time the, first, the first bad person quiz. I didn't even we, understand. We half got every single one of them. We all were basically got all of them until the end. And so now he's made it. He's sticking it to us. Oh, he's, these are better it to us. These are all these better. Are, these are hard. Oh, this is oh, a these, better quiz. These are, it is better, uh, but he's, he's sticking it to us. All right. Question number three. A former lawyer for the White House tweeted, quote, if I have to hear the kind of half-ass weak, I disagree with blank, but you have to admit he's a fundamentally decent person again. He's not. On any non-Gnostic objective definition of morality, he's depraved with broken will and reason, possibly possessed. (laughs) Who is the blank in that sentence? Is it A, Bill Crystal? B, Colonel Alexander Vindman. D, uh, C, Anthony Fauci. Or D, David French. Ryan. Boy, putting me right. I remember this. I cannot remember who who it was said about. Uh, Is it possible to get the author of this quote? Uh, I cannot remember his name and I don't have it written down. He was a uh, he was an attorney in the Trump White House. Yeah. Um. Can I hear the quote again? If I have to hear the kind of half-assed, weak, I disagree with blank, but you have to admit he's a fundamentally decent person again, he's not. On any non-Gnostic, objective definition of morality, he's depraved, with broken will and reason, possibly possessed. (laughs) And that's either... It could be Bill Crystal. Colonel Vindman, Anthony Fauci, or David French. When you think about it, it could be any of these people. <laughs> I'm going to go with Fauci. All right, Thomas. B. Shannon? It's between Vindman and French. I'm going to go French because he gets an unusual amount of crazy people vitriol. He does. Hey, but, yeah, Vindman oh, is sure. my second choice. Okay. See, I want to go French, but we've been wrong on every single one. So I'm going to go A crystal i'm surprised none of you picked tony fauci i did 
Oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't. We covered matter. all you our were, bases. You were wrong. Shannon oh, was correct. Sake. The answer is David French. Yes. Oh, come on. I remember. I mean, why yeah, did you trick me like that? Because. Because I didn't remember. Yeah. If someone is going to go all the way to this guy is possessed, of course it's going to be about someone as even keeled as David French. And French would be the the guy who's like fundamentally this person is a good person. I disagree with that. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Here's a slightly easier one. Okay. Former Trump senior advisor Fiona Hill said she was so alarmed during Trump's summit with Vladimir Putin in Helsinki that she thought about ending the press conference early by A, rushing the stage, B, faking a medical emergency, C, tweeting Trump to stop knowing that he was looking at his phone during the press conference, or D, pulling the fire alarm. Thomas. Yeah, I don't remember the D. <laughs> okay, Shannon. Uh, faking a medical emergency. <clears throat> Chris. So faking a medical emergency was B. Pulling a fire alarm was D. What was A and C? A was rushing the rushing stage. The stage. <laughs> and C was tweeting at the tweeting president at him. to stop because he was looking at his phone. I'm going to go C. Ryan. I think I remember this and I think it was D. All right. Uh, both both B and D are correct. Mm. Both B and D Russian. are correct. Uh, she had two he, contingency she, plans. <laughs> she thought about either faking a heart attack or pulling a fire alarm. <laughs> so the scores through four questions are Thomas one, Ryan one, Chris zero, and yeah, Shannon you two. You didn't need to point that out. I mean, Sorry. another option could have Glad been something did. like throwing a shoe. Uh, that, like that would also have been plausible any of them right in 2019 this former baseball player tweeted hashtag 9-11 neither here nor there but just think if you were born on that terrible day tonight is your last night of being jailbait anywhere in this country with a map showing the age of consent in all 50 states i think i know this guy's name Damn it, I wish I could pull his name before I get the options. Was it A, Aubrey Huff, B, Kurt Schilling, C, Lenny Dijkstra, or D, John Rocker? Oh, Shannon. Now I don't know. Uh, The only people whose names I recognize are Lenny and Kurt Schilling. And Kurt Schilling is an ass, so I'm going to go with Schilling. I mean, he's just asking questions about the Holocaust. That's all. <laughs> and, you know, purchasing, 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 you know, merch. It's Nazi merch. Uh, I thought Matt Gates was going to be one of the. Not a former baseball there. player. So oh, John yeah. Rocker. I, yeah. And John Rocker. see that as something to celebrate. You're going John Rocker. No, 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 no. I'm saying John Rocker, uh, I'm explaining to those who don't know, was well known for sprinting onto the field and in an interview. Um, so he's a, a closer um, who would run like that was his thing was he'd sprint from the bullpen to the pitcher's mound. But also he made jokes Racist. in an interview about, yeah, like about. Like just like people in New York, like, yeah, um, about got, people like, in the subway. I think yeah. he also had some some. Uh, homophobic uses of racial slurs in his yeah. post playing days yeah. and during his playing days i think he also had some homophobic slurs 
Lenny Dykstra had an interesting, uh, like, and sad, like, career as, um, you know, (laughs) I don't know what Lenny Dykstra just said the other day, but like Tim Miller, like just tweeted the, like retweeted somebody complaining about something Lenny Dykstra said, it was just like last week. And, um, Tim was just like, man, another one of my uh, guys that I like, like, I just found out how bad they are. And I'm like, you just found out. Yeah. Yeah. Lenny Dykstra was Lenny on Dykstra cocaine during bad his entire since he career. was like the entire time he was playing. He was horrible. But the, um, the correct answer has to be Aubrey Huff, who uh, is just a massive tool. A massive tool, indeed. Big Ryan. time misogynist. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Because of the misogyny, I got to go uh, with Aubrey Huff. All right. Thomas? Same. Hey. It was actually Lenny Dykstra. Oh, no. For fuck's oh, sake. Who, uh, in, I think, 2014, maybe, uh, went to jail for he did. Mm-hmm. some he did not learn uh his lesson Mm-mm. all right here's an easy one in a column for the american conservative this writer argued that harvey weinstein and jerry sandusky were victims of quote <laughs> a socialism of fools unquote. matthew schmitz yeah and we know the convictions <laughs> should be overturned um, everybody gets a free point. What is, what are the, I actually what are the read this answer. entire article because All I right. couldn't believe. I won. What are, the, what, are the, what are the fake answers that we're supposed to a, throw us off? Saurabh Amari, B, <laughs> B, Matthew Schmitz, C, Rusty Reno, or D, Ross Dalfit. All good guesses, but yeah, we all I'm, know the I'm answer. giving everybody a point. Yeah. Yeah, I like one. I saw what people were saying about that article, and I was like, "Well, I got to read this." He's not really saying that. Was, no, I, that's what I did. I did too. <laughs> I was like, "Every," I was like, "Look, I'm the first person to to like." I although I try not to, but I'm the first person to, to jump jump in and, and assume the worst. So I'm gonna try not to. This can't possibly it's, be happening. That's what and I then did. I read it, and I'm like, "No, this is this is this that's is happening." That's what he's doing. This is explicitly like, happening for like, thousands and thousands of words. Mm-hmm. All right, next. Okay, I'm not going to give him the. I'm not going to give him the click. I'm not going to give it to him. <laughs> Don't. This is clickbait. Like, there's no way he could possibly be arguing. I went this. through uh, archives. It's, it's a trick. He's not really <laughs> arguing this. <laughs> no, he is. Yeah. All right. Question seven. In October 2011, or sorry, October 2021, uh, this notable Christian writer wrote, "Quote: All us boys wanted to stare at his primitive root wiener when we were at the urinal during recess." Because it was monstrous. I Nobody told one. us that wieners could look like that. Was it? Was like a, a Ron Dreher, B Father James Martin, C Patrick Deneen, or D Adrian Vermeule? Chris, ha- I know this. So have Thomas and Ryan go first. It's Rob Thomas. Dreher. Did you just call him Rob Dreher with Rob. a B? <laughs> Ryan well, gets it wrong because he's Rob Robert Dreher. <laughs> I I choose a. Uh, a question. Define root wiener. <laughs> Don't. I believe in the context of the article, it referred to an uncircumcised penis. That's that's what it referred to. A lot of people call it a snake wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> All right. Well, if, if I'm going to be wrong, I want to be wrong together with Ryan. So a. All right. I believe everybody gets a point here. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it, it, it was Rod. It's Rob. I'd never oh. heard of this guy. I, I know he's supposed to be like an evangelical 
Whatever, he's but not I'm an never evangelical. No, he used to be Catholic. Now he's Orthodox. He's the he Benedict to, option. He converted guy. to Catholicism before he converted to Orthodoxy. Or, yes, correct. But he met the Pope recently, and he said, <laughs> "He said, Holy Father, I, I am the author of the Benedict Option." Um, and uh, like remarked on, he tweeted about like remarking on the Pope's face because like he got a bad review of the book from not the Pope, but like someone in the Vatican. Someone within the Vatican reviewed his book yeah. badly. And, and so he thought that meeting the Holy Father would be good. Up. That would be, that's what you would use your 30 seconds right, to say. Right, right, yeah. Well, he, he it, it was actually better than that because it led to one of the all-time great Twitter odes. Yeah, uh, it was a good meme. Because he, uh, he, he said <laughs> right. he, he was surprised that the Pope did not recognize him. Right, right. And somebody tweeted at him like, really? You're, why? Why in the world would the Pope recognize right. know who you are? Yeah. And then he explained, "Well, I wrote the Benedict Option, and it received a bad review from the Vatican." And the guy responded, "Okay, but so he's the Pope, right? And you're arguing <laughs> with a cartoon rabbit on the internet about why the Pope should recognize <laughs> you." Yeah, one of the greatest Twitter owns in history. I want Did- you to. I want you all to know before we move on. That, that question was not originally on this quiz. That question was added when I thought Tim Miller was going to be the guest. Oh, oh. so I, I'm a poor stand in for Tim. Well, if anybody's going to be getting good laughs out of a primitive root wiener experience, <laughs> it's, it's going to be Tim Miller, right? I'm just disappointed that Ryan didn't see my hilarious tweet um, making fun of Rod Dreher mm-hmm. um, when I said, Holy Father. I met the Holy Father today, and I said, "Did you not read my book, <laughs> The Mysterious Benedict Society?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share awesome. in the chat. I'll share in the chat. I'll share, share it in the chat. All right, next. <laughs> Just prior to Juneteenth, the inimitable Iowa Hawk tweeted, "Juneteenth is a wonderful patriotic holiday that should be celebrated by all Americans." And furthermore, fuck you, you fucking fuck. Who was the fucking fuck? Was it A, Glenn Greenwald, B, Charlie Kirk, C, Nick Fuentes, or D, Donald Trump Jr., Chris? Boy, there's just so many good options there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll go uh, Donald Jr. Ryan. I get. I gotta say, DJT. Thomas. C. Did you say B or C? C. And Shannon. Charlie Kirk. Shannon. Shannon wins again. It was, yeah, it was Charlie Kirk. It was Charlie Kirk. God, I think Nick Fuentes me. has been banned from Twitter for being like. Oh, that's It could, it, it could not have been Glenn Greenwald because um, a very important and serious Catholic intellectual writer, who's not going to live in New York anymore, damn it, has called Glenn Greenwald, and I quote, the conscience of our profession. One of the worst things that has ever happened was Glenn Greenwald. Uh, All right, next. This publication's coffee house section published a column by Boris Johnson's sister, waxing nostalgic about the time that Ghislaine Maxwell put her boots in Boris's lap at a party during Maxwell's trial for grooming. Was it A, The Spectator, B, The Telegraph, C, The Salisbury Review, or D, The New Statesman, Ryan. Sorry, I was looking at Chris's tweet. Um, What was all the stuff you said? (laughs) (laughs) 
Fair enough. <laughs> uh, British Magazine published in their coffee house section a column by Boris Johnson's sister that reflected back on a time that Ghislaine Maxwell put her boots in Boris Johnson's lap. That column was published during Ghislaine Maxwell's trial for pedophilic grooming. Okay. Was it the Spectator, the Telegraph, the Salisbury Review, or the New Statesman? Um, a. Thomas. I should go last. Okay. Shannon. I, I think go. the Spectator. Chris. Shannon's got the hot hand, so I'm just going to go with the Spectator. They are all correct. Oh, come on. You are all correct. It is the Spectator. I finally got one. And you guys I only know that because I've, I've every once in a while I see the integralists tweeting things from there. That's the only one I even remotely familiar with. According to one of these two congressmen, they're going to arm wrestle to determine who gets Kyle Rittenhouse as an intern. Mm. A, Dan Crenshaw and Mike Gallagher. Uh, when I say congressmen here, I don't necessarily mean that they are members of the House. They could be House or yeah, Senate. Just, or that they're Dan, a man. Could they be ladies? They could be. So why don't you say lady congressmen? Congresspersons. Dan Crenshaw Ooh. and Mike Gallagher. Tommy Tuberville and Rand Paul. Elise Stefanik and Nancy Mace. Or Paul <laughs> Gosar and Matt Gates. Thomas, you deferred yours last time, so I'm going to get you on this one all terrible first. people. <laughs> uh, can you give me the first two options again? The first two pairings? Dan Crenshaw and... Dan Crenshaw and Mike Gallagher. Mike Gallagher. Tommy Tuberville and Rand Paul. Is he the, Mike Gallagher, is he the guy who smashes pumpkins? Not B. pumpkins. Uh, watermelons. <laughs> He's yes. the one who was super, super... I can't believe we're having an insurrection. We have to... We have to. Oh, he's the one who's in the band Smashing Pumpkins. That's it. <laughs> Shannon. Uh, these are all just horrible, horrible pairs to contemplate. I'll go with Elise. Chris. I knew what I was going to say a second ago. Uh, D. Ryan. I'm going to go with Gosar and whoever he's. That's D, right? Armor yeah, that's D. Gosar and, and Gates. Gates. And correct. Gosar and Gates is the correct answer. Mike Gallagher oh. and Dan Crenshaw. Virtual five. Kind of jerks, but Dan Crenshaw no pretends he's too serious to to like say For those kind of shenanigans. Yeah, this, t- this wasn't too long ago, right? Like just last month or something. Yeah, yeah, just last month. Yeah. All right, here's an easy one. Uh, this anti-vax QB puts the Q <laughs> QB. I know. Is it Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz? Or Sam Darnold. Now hang on. They're all of the at least above. three of those guys are anti-vax. But which one is Q friendly? I think only one of them is Q friendly. I want to say, okay, whose turn is it? Shannon just answered. Uh, I think it's Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. Is he a quarterback? <laughs> they're they're all quarterbacks. Oh, okay. He's like, Rogers, I mean, I know he's on Joe Rogan. I didn't know if he was also. I thought he was famous for being Shailene Woodley's boyfriend. Sonny Bunch wants him to host the Oscars. I hope that's a joke. He you wrote a column that. about it. It's a pretty funny column. You should read it. Thomas Wentz. Okay, Chris. That's no, got to be Wentz. I guess I Carson Wentz, because that would make me the most angry. How is it that Shannon, who doesn't even know that he's a quarterback, <laughs> is the only one who gets it right? What did you say about QAnon? 
But oh, isn't I don't Aaron Rodgers? I remember like, that he said something. Isn't he a left wing guy? Like is is Q like I didn't realize that Aaron Rodgers bipartisan Aaron Rodgers is like the personification of horseshoe theory. He's like say. super left wing on some things and like okay. crazy conspiratorially right wing. He's the part where they're like coming back. Okay, together. they meet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Next. This entertainer tweeted, quote, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because <laughs> his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision. And not bullied. Was it Nicki Minaj, Megan the Stallion, Kanye West, or Latita Wright? Thomas? Hey. Hey. Chris? Hey. Shannon? Nicki Minaj. Yeah, it was Nicki Minaj. One of the great almost that was a one, great one of the great tweet. moments of the year. It was almost entirely <laughs> forgotten by the end of it. We had an entire two days where people were talking about it. We had congressional hearings on Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend, friend's, friend's balls. Who's <laughs> winning? It's Shannon, isn't it? I She's Chris and I tied her. Or we're one down. Thomas has five. Ryan has six. Chris, ha- uh, yeah, Chris has five. And Shannon has eight. Fuck. Shannon is running away with it. This Kennedy-linked politician knew he had an advantage with Black voters because, quote, Blacks have three pictures on their walls unquote jesus christ martin luther king jr and one of the kennedy brothers was it a patrick kennedy b andrew cuomo c robert sergeant shriver the third or d teddy kennedy shannon go first oh can you give me the, the choices again patrick kennedy andrew cuomo robert sergeant shriver the third or Edward Kennedy. I'm going to go with Ted Kennedy. All right. It's not an option. Yeah, Ted Ted, Ted, Ted Kennedy is an option. Ted Although, Kennedy wait, this is, is like a, is this a two, 2021 thing or is this just a? This is a, this dead. refers to a piece of journalism that came out in 2021, I believe. Okay. But it does not necessarily have to refer to a living person. I, I'm just going to go with that because I don't know. Well, I was going to say Patrick Kennedy, but... Uh... Now that Ted Kennedy is a realistic answer, it seems like something that uh, he would say. So I'm going to go with Ted Kennedy. Ryan? Mm-hmm. What was A, B, C, and D again? Patrick Kennedy, Andrew Cuomo, Robert Sargent Shriver III, Ted Kennedy. Cuomo. Thomas? I don't know who C is, but I like the name, so let's go with that. Ryan is correct. It was Andrew Cuomo. Oh. Oh. It was Andrew Cuomo. That was in the uh, the big piece in the, uh, the New worst. York Times. It was the like big New York Times expose, right when all of his uh, sexual harassment stuff was starting to break. Such a winner. If you look up hubris in the dictionary, his there's only one picture. One in the, there's only one picture in the dictionary, and it's his picture next to that definition. This new atheist tweeted, "Quote: The vaccine is baptism into the religion of the new world tyranny." Vaccinated Christians should probably <laughs> repent. Was it Eric Weinstein, Brett Weinstein, James Lindsay, or Dave Rubin? Ryan. Did the Weinstein brothers not say it at exactly the same time in unison? The Weinstein uh, brothers have spent the last couple of days arguing with each other on Twitter over whether Fauci is bad and the vaccine is bad, or whether Fauci is much worse than that and the vaccine is also much worse than who, that. Who is A? A is Eric Weinstein. 
B oh, is Brett uh, Weinstein. Okay. C um, is James Lindsay, C. and D is Dave Rubin. C. Thomas. Literally no idea. Uh, we'll roll it. Uh, a. Shannon. Is James Lindsay the guy with like the axes and the swords? Who's mm, like yes. No. That's... James Lindsay is the guy who likes to post videos of himself on Twitter doing dances with his Oh, wait. Dances. No. That seems like something he he's would an say. an atheist. Uh... Is he supposed to be an atheist? Was that part of the question? Wasn't yeah. something he, question he was about... he the this the person in question was a was an atheist. Oh, I, okay. I I think it's the guy with the axes. All right. To grind. Let the listener. <laughs> the listener. That was a dad joke. They, joke. they are missing shannon's oh axe. my my axe yeah. throwing. she is <laughs> windmilling her arms <laughs> chris what do you think uh i think it's Lindsay. like i think um he i think i've seen him i've not seen the axe i've not seen this it's it's fascinating you haven't seen it i haven't seen that oh, but i i feel like he's the guy that. i've seen a lot like he's the anti-crt guy he's he's the world's leading expert in crt but there's there's an interesting guy. Not he's not interesting, but like it's interesting that there's a guy on Twitter arguing with religious people about religion while also claiming to be an atheist. And I think it's him. It, it, there are a lot of people who do that. In this case, this one is this one is him. It is James Lindsay. It is James Lindsay. So the I got to check out Thomas. his videos. Like he yeah, sounds like he's wild. he sounds like George Michael in the garage with a broomstick. Uh, this person <laughs> claims to have overheard a conversation at a New York City restaurant in which an Apple employee boasted about attending a secret demonstration of new technology, uh, vaccines that delivered nanoparticles, which allowed people to travel back in time. This conversation- Wait, We watched this movie, roughly, Ryan. This conversation happened at roughly the same time that Avengers Endgame came out. And so it's possible this conversation was about that movie, although this person does not seem to think so. Was it A, Alex Jones, B, Naomi Wolf, C, Jenny McCarthy, or D, Randy Quaid? Chris. <laughs> Randy Quaid. It's not Randy. Well, I don't I have no idea. I don't think it's Randy. It could be Randy Quaid. I spent a long time on this one making sure they were all plausible. <laughs> However crazy you think Randy Quaid is, he's fucking crazy. Oh, he that. is nuts. Yeah. Um as as are all there of There you them. go. So Chris. is Naomi Wolf. Who are the other two? Alex Jones, Naomi Wolf, Jenny McCarthy, and Randy Quaid. Yeah, Jenny McCarthy, she's crazy. Um <laughs> I'm going to go Naomi, Naomi Wolf. Ryan? Randy Quaid. Thomas? B. B. Shannon? Chris, click on that tweet. Naomi uh, Wolf. It was Naomi Wolf. It was Naomi Wolf. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh my gosh. Conceptual James, you are a master of karate and friendship for everyone. Put that in the show notes. He has, I think he has a new one today where he does it with a sword and not a hatchet. <laughs> he looks that cool? he bought at Target. He does. He does. <laughs> He he's, does think yeah, he's he showing be. off. Yeah, he, he like the first time he. See, posted I told one, you I wasn't exaggerating. The first time I posted, he posted when I was like looking, thinking like, "Oh, is he making fun of himself?" And I kept looking. I was like, "No, he he's like he he thinks it's guys, awesome." Look what I did! It's a kata with it is, is full on George Michael Blues. Yes. All right, we got we got just a couple more left. This one also uh, hits Shannon's. 
observation that David French seems to inspire just the worst kind of vitriol. Uh, this right-wing radio boy wrote, How dare quote, you love your enemy? David French. French thinks your principles required you to be a serf. I was not born to be the liberals, bitch. Was it A, Jesse Kelly, B, Dan Bongino, C, Kurt Schlichter, or D, Matt Walsh? Literally any. Yeah. All of the above. I, um, I want to think that they all... Like, it's a trick. It's all of the dude. above. Matt, who goes first? Man. Thomas, you go first. Uh, that's what she said. Um, we'll go with... Who was A? Jesse Kelly. Yes. Yes, Shannon. you agree that that was A or that's your answer? Schlichter. Chris? That sounds a lot like the Schlicht monster. There was Ryan. nothing about dildos in that quote. A. That's true. He wasn't fetishizing the sex lives of work staffers. It was Schlichter, though. Oh, that one was Schlichter. This senator introduced a new bill to send undocumented migrants to Martha's Vineyard because, quote, that's where Democratic elites host their cocktail parties, unquote. Was it Marco Rubio, Rand Paul, Tommy Tuberville, or Ted Cruz? Shannon. Can you, I'm sorry, I was looking at a baby picture someone just sent me. Tell me those again. Marco Rubio, Rand Paul, Tommy Tuberville, or Ted Cruz? And the question was? This senator introduced a new bill to send undocumented migrants oh. to Martha's Vineyard uh, because that's where Democratic elites host their cocktail parties. It's got to be Cruz or Rubio. Cruz is so, so performative. Let's go with Cruz. I don't really know. Chris? A pox on all their houses. I'm going Ted Cruz. Then I'm going Rubio. A Ricky or Marco? Yes. We don't have a Ryan anymore. Any any objections to me moving to the next question? The answer to that one was Ted Cruz. Yes. Ted Cruz. Doesn't help me catch up on Shannon, but hey, at least I got it right. Claremont Institute fellow <sighs> tweeted out a picture of David Rothschild writing, quote, these people are as dumb as they are repulsive. That Rothschild physiognomy is pure nightmare fuel. Ryan. The answer to the previous one was Ted Cruz. You weren't here. You got it wrong. I'm sorry. This 2021 Claremont Institute fellow tweeted out a picture of David Rothschild writing, quote, these people are as dumb as they are repulsive. That Rothschild physiognomy is pure nightmare fuel. Was it A, Jack Murphy? B, Terry Schilling? C, Tony Sabatini, Anthony Sabatini? Or D, Pedro Gonzalez? all of whom are 2021 Rothschild fellows. Chris. I understand it. The question was about David Lee Roth and the band Van Halen. So I believe the answer is Van Halen. Okay. So C. Ryan. B. B. I think and Shannon. Pedro. Yeah, that one was Pedro who uh, went was on that a, C? That was D. Was D. Who went on a long, long bender about how repulsive in behavior and appearance Jews were. It was maybe not a great look for the Claremont Institute, which has had a lot of those lately. Okay, which senior American political figure privately said this in 2015, complete with hand gestures about former New York mayor, or sorry, former New York governor, Andrew Cuomo. Quote, can I tell you my favorite thing about the governor? He's got tremendous balls, absolutely enormous balls. Was it A, Joe Biden, B, Donald Trump, C, Senator Chuck Schumer, 
or D, Bill de Blasio? Ryan. Billy D. Williams? Thomas? C as in Chuck. Shannon? Tell me the beginning of the question again. Which uh, This senior American political figure privately yeah. said in 2015, yeah. um, can I tell you my favorite thing about the governor? He's got tremendous balls. I think- Absolutely um, enormous balls. Uh, Schumer. And Chris? I mean, the use of the word tremendous- See, that's that's Trumpy. That, that sounds Trumpy, but I can't. But senior Trump political figure. I can't see him saying something good about. Um, you said Cuomo, right? Yes, if this yeah. was in 2015. I mean, I could I could see Biden talking about a man's anatomy, definitely. In addition to sniffing young ladies' hair, Biden, Trump, Schumer, or Schumer. De Blasio. I'll go Biden. Chris is correct. That was Joe Biden. Wow, that was nice, Joe Chris. Biden. And finally, writing in the pages of American Greatness, Clifford Angel Bates Jr. wrote that the Juneteenth holiday is about white fragility and that black Americans are attempting to dissolve the American Republic and bring about a race war. On his personal blog, he describes himself as, quote, a Democrat of the pre-1860 variety, unquote. (laughs) And his blog autoplays a song for all visitors. What is that song? Is it A, Dixie? It's got to be Dixie. It's got to be Dixie. B, God Save the South. C, the Bonnie Blue Flag. Or D, when Johnny comes marching home. Chris, you seem very certain. I think it's Dixie. It's a little on the nose, but. What was the second one? Uh, God Save the South. Is that a real song? It is a real song. Yes. Is it like, is it exactly the same song as God Save the Queen, except. Like the insert uh, south. <laughs> is, isn't that isn't that a Disney animated movie? God save, God save the South. Yeah, yeah. close yeah. enough. Song of the is. South. So, yeah. Song of the God Save the South. Song of the God Save. Thomas, the south. what's your answer? It's really catchy. I'm going with C. Mm. And Shannon, what is Dixie. yours? I'm gonna go with Dixie. Thomas is correct. It's the Bonnie Blue Flag. The uh, the the battle song face. of the. Confederate Republic of Texas. So the final scores here. Thomas with seven, Ryan with eight, Chris Haberman with 10, and in a commanding victory, Shannon Last with 13. Congratulations to all the winners and the losers. This is how how well this is how well I have curated (laughs) my Twitter feed and my podcast feed. It's, yeah. I, I know it speaks much about... better of you than of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing, the funny thing is I probably got half of those from the triad. <laughs> JVL wrote about Clifford Pace. Yeah. Shannon, is uh, Dixie in Encanto? It is not. How about Bonnie Blue Flag? Nope. Uh, God Sarah... save the queen of the South. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris, what's Encanto? It is Disney's latest movie musical. Uh, It was released in November, and it takes place in the South American country of Colombia. The music is composed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. That is the extent of what I know about it. You You haven't seen it? I watched it in the theater, Shannon. Did you watch it in the theater, oh, lover of Encanto? No. It's like Vic. That one scores pretty low on the quadrants. Two, two and a half years. I don't know. But Shannon, can, can you uh, give us the, the big girl review? Big girl review. I can try. Okay, I'll try. I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't prepared for this either. And Thomas is like, how many? 
you tell know, me about Encanto. I'm like, uh, it's a movie that JBL came out. We do it on the sub-weekend, so that's fair. So it's a movie about a family, a multi-generational family, that the opener is um, the matriarch of the family, which is the abuela, who is fleeing some sort of upheaval or violence in her country. And something terrible happens and her, she loses her, her husband dies. Then we kind of find this out at the, at the end, exactly how um, she receives a miracle, which is essentially um, a safe, safe Harbor for, to raise her family. And it's, it's symbolized by this candle that never goes out. And each of the members of her family has some sort of a supernatural gift, which they use to help support, sustain, whatever, their entire community. And so this community has sprung up in the, in the mountains. And the island she, gives us what we need. I mean, the, the candle, the, the house. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. And no one that's, leaves. That's actually, well, we, we'll come to that later. But anyway, um, so each, each generation is sort of entrusted with the magic, as it were, and in, in upholding the community by using their gifts, except for, and at a certain age, they receive their gifts, sort of like a, you know, it's a rite of passage at age, whatever, um, like a first communion would be, except for Mirabelle, who's the, the heroine here, who doesn't receive any gift. And so it opens with her giving the rundown, much like the beginning number of Hamilton, um, where each character kind of comes on the scene and you get a very brief intro where, you know, it says me, I died for him. I fought with him. I loved him, etc. So you get a sense of who these people are in relation to one another um, from Mirabelle herself, who is again, giftless. And it's about her um, trying to figure out her place in the family and in the world and finding her gift and healing multi-generational trauma along the way with really good music. The movie was also a huge box office success, received three Golden Globe nominations, winning for Best Animated Feature Film. How does it stand up against other Disney musicals? Go ahead, Shannon. Oh, I'm sorry. I was waiting for you. Oh, you do it, Chris. You I, answer. I think it holds up. I think it, it stands up beautifully. I think it's right up there in, in, the, in the top Several. There's been some really good music out of Disney in the last few years. Christopher, why are you? Are you? I, no, what? I'm just remembering it became a podcast when Thomas shouted the one, and I'm like, and you're like, it, it, it you're like, that, it, see the music it in holds that was... up. No, you're like, it holds up with the best of them, and I'm like, in my mind, <laughs> I'm thinking like Thomas shouting like one. Yes. <laughs> it's really good. The music is very good. It's very different. Um, it's it's. Along the the Lin Manuel spectrum, it's closer to Hamilton than it is to Moana. Interestingly enough, just in the way that it's um, the way that it sounds. So it's closer okay. to bad music than good music. Yeah, Matt, you yep. can go ahead and <laughs> shut yep. your mouth. Take off. Go, go ahead and go shut ahead your and mouth. Jump off. That's what she's saying right now. I don't know if it's closer to. I'm, I hadn't thought about it being closer to Hamilton than Moana. I would think Moana is closer. It, to it is close. Than... It is close to Moana, but Moana's songs are very much. They're all kind of standalone singles. Um, and one of the things that the movie does so well is there are very few moments where it's just one person contributing. It mm -hmm. almost all of the songs are layered with multiple voices, multiple sure. stories, um, each one telling in the same song their perspective on the same exact situation, which is 
synecdoche for the entire movie, really. Here's what I like about it too, in terms of its superiority to Moana in this respect, is that musically, so the story just takes off and keeps going. It's like a train, it just keeps going. And there are no musical detours, which isn't to say those aren't lovely. And they happen a lot. They happen in, you know, Little Mermaid. And they definitely happen in Moana. There's no, they could have moved the Moana plot along different ways. They didn't have to have shiny. They didn't have to have your welcome sure. exactly the way they uh, had it. But, but you're, you're welcome also um, provided some good exposition. Yeah. Maybe not that one, but, but like shiny, for example, Sure, it's just kind of like a detour to this place where they do this really cool thing. And it's a very clever song, but that you could have accomplished that plot point another sure. way. And this just keeps driving forward and the music keeps recapitulating. And I love that. But there's no arrows. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you Ross? Are you Ross Douthit? How do you get to have a multi-generational family without without arrows? some arrows? Right. Yeah. I know it's such baloney. People such need to put in, uh, some arrows in some places if you're going to have a lot of family. So the whole argument, such as it, I mean, he didn't really specifically make it about Encanto. He just like linked to his column by using that as bait is that there's, there's no longer nearly enough sex romance or desire in cinema, which, and the examples he uses as like load stars here are game of Thrones and, and that an outlander, like, I don't game know if any of you have read outlander, but I read the first one. And let me tell you, that's not the kind of thing that uh, the Matthew Schmitzes of the world would, would so think is there's a lot of boobs in it. How many boobs are in it? There's a lot of, a lot of things in there. Well, doesn't she have to like bang someone every time she jumps to a different time? Well, she does get put in her place a lot. So they would like that. <laughs> First of all, there is romantic love. But the entire premise of this movie is, is agape love. The, the entire point of this movie is that the, the, the form of love that actually is most generative of this whole family comes, we, come, we see it at the end, but, we, but it's the grandparents' initial. So you see their little love story. You see how they fall in love. They have the triplets. Are you crying or laughing at me? Are you laughing at me? Thomas I'm crying eating... at orange bell pepper. Oh, Thomas is eating a pepper like an apple. You He's don't. So weird. He's eating and, uh... a pepper like it's a chip. He's just like chopping away. I'm Thomas. I'm with you. That looks for, delicious. The for breakfast. So no. Thomas orange is... bell peppers are awesome. They're great. They're great. I just don't have them for breakfast. Plain. Like, like eating chips. Them like an apple. He's it's got like just a bag. A snack. He, he like, he, he like opened a can of Pringles, but instead it was a stack of orange bell pepper slices. <laughs> the new print is all out of pickled herring and banana pizza. Mm. Whatever. Shannon, go on. Don't okay. let these idiots. I'm not going to let these idiots derail my point about generative love coming from the, the grandparents. Romantic love. Is that the kind that's is generative love? The kind that's in Luca or is that followed, a different kind? <laughs> I love Luca. Follow, I do movie. too. But it's followed by this supreme act of, sacrifice like he literally greater love hath no man he literally lays down his life for his wife and his three little babies and all these people fleeing the violence and and something transformational happens because of that Um, we didn't get to see how they got those babies (laughs) well disney needs to really correct that that next time around and so out of that but like the fruit of that that sacrificial love is this whole family, this whole community, it keeps growing. The way that they look at this blessing is exactly the way you should look at it. Well, except it gets a little warped, but we'll come to that. It definitely gets warped. Yeah. Right. But that's because we're, 
because we're human and we suck and we we fail to understand sometimes like we've been we think we've been entrusted with something therefore we have to be the ones to do everything to protect it right. and to run it so right. there's a, so so they're essentially pelagian right like they're essentially heretics um i don't i don't know that i go that so? far i think okay I think, so so I'm, I'm let me support my point go for it there's there's a line early on when they talk about earning the magic correct and each it's actually reiterated a couple times i think that each generation has to earn the blessing or earn the the miracle yeah and 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 mirabelle she she's like i'm gonna save the miracle and she says how do i save a miracle the abuela um she says we don't want to lose the miracle so we will work twice as hard luisa uh the strong girl uh the the um smith graduate um she puts her self-worth in her strength and so she thinks how many she sings about pick up. she sings about feeling worthless apart from her gift right. a gift a gift something that's a gift that's like you don't earn it and like it's this crushing weight of expectations and yes. so I, I I feel like I feel like they're like fund fundamentally like the the heresies that has crept into the family even though they they realize that that the gift is a gift and a blessing it is pure 100% grace that they've become pelagians like thinking that like each generation just needs to do more try harder work harder um and, and, and so like this fear creeps in right this it's like right. fear like we're, we're somehow we're going to like ruin this. So like Bruno, like go away. Like you, like you um, simply telling us what's going to happen. Like, like telling us our humanity, um, like we need to banish you. And, and like the fear around uh, Mirabelle, who does not have this gift, this the fear is grips the family, which, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Yes. Correct. So I would, I would, I would agree with you up to a point, Lord Copper. And I think, but I think it, you, you hit upon it that it's, it's the fear. Lord Copper? It's a, it's just a evil and law thing. It's the fear that I think it's more human woundedness and fear than heresy, I would say. Um, because I think the way that each of, each of them, including the grandmother feels this crushing weight of responsibility and expectation. It's like their, their intentions are all very much in the right place. Um, this is not about themselves. This is not about wanting things to possess, wanting things to lord over people. It's, it is all about insert, continuing to be able to encircle and protect these people who came out of this horrific traumatic situation so that no one has to face that sort of loss again. And that- well, sharing it with the village. Right, but that becomes that competing- narrative, especially the farther in the past, the actual event where this transformational grace appears, you know, you, it's, it's just human nature to start depending on yourself more than anything else and thinking you have to be the one. And so each of them really, I think, explicates this very beautifully. I mean, Luisa's is, you know, it breaks your heart where she says you're, and I think she said, and I glow because I know what my worth is. And of course, everything she says thereafter undoes that because she, she says, what? I'm pretty she sure knows I'm, her worth. she says, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if, it, if I can't be of service. So it's not, I'm, but it, it's all tied back to, to giving of the gift. Um, they're so afraid they're not giving enough um, or they're so afraid to have to show weakness or to experience weakness. And they all do that with their own sort of perfectionism. Same thing with Isabella with the, the rose of roses instead of something like hard or sharp or beautiful in a different or unexpected way. Um, she just has to keep everything. And she says so many things hide under my smile. So who, who among us hasn't felt that sort of pressure to deliver pressure, to not falter pressure, to keep, you know, 
um, to shoulder everyone else's burdens. And when Louisa says, just keep throwing them at your sister and never wonder if you would have, you know, been pulled under by that same amount of weight. It's, it's really, I think, extremely universal because we have all been there, whether you struggle with perfectionism or not, we've all been there in some, at some season of life. So what I love about Mirabelle though, is that you would think that the narrative would be, okay, so there's this one sister of the three who doesn't have a gift. So she's going to be, you know, sort of selfish and resentful and wanting to, wanting to be equal, wanting to be noticed, wanting recognition. And she really doesn't want it for any of those reasons. She's so deeply empathetic and all the things she's doing, even in getting ready for the, um, the dinner and the whatever, it's all, she's, she's carrying stuff that's heavy, that actually is heavy to carry, trying to help her parents. She's trying to contribute the best way she can. And when she, she does her uh, waiting on a miracle number, which is very different too, than like a lot of the, you know, the let it go or the part of your world or any of those monster ballads, they're all like, this was in three, four time. Like it's, it's, it feels different. All of the words in there. So she opens it by saying, you know, by like telling herself, don't be upset. Don't be mad. You can do this. You can, you can keep standing on the side while they shine. And she talks in the beginning about how they're, they're all stars in this beautiful constellation. And she says, I'm still part of the family, you know, even if she doesn't have this gift because the family itself is the gift that, but when she says, I can't move mountains, I can't make flowers bloom. I can't heal what's broken. All these things she can't do. But then the second Part of that is all the things she would do if she could. And none of it is like, I would get something for myself or I would want this superpower to overshadow. It's if I could, I would move the mountain. I would heal the broken. I would do these. She, she wants to be able to serve in the same way. And I was half joking before on Twitter about the idea that that song or like her whole path is very much to, to me, put me in mind of the, um, where Jesus says, you know, ask, seek, knock asking you receive, seek, and you shall find, knock and the door will be open to you because she's, she's just been knocking. Like she's been standing in front of that blank wall that just disappeared in front of her for a long time. And she's still waiting, Like she still has that hope. She still has that sense of somewhere in all of this, there is a place for me. And I just, I just want to find it. I, j- I just want to give. Well, that's, that's a very Christian idea of, of, waiting in faith, like our, our lectionary uh, gospels, like we just, you know, read about Simeon who was waiting for, uh, was assured that he was, yes, he would, that's exactly, I was the consolation of Israel, you know, this, this righteous man who'd been waiting and he, yep. and he's the consolation of Israel that he sees is not, is, is very different than what many than what people he, would expect. Exactly. It's, it's a drooling baby, right? But the second he sees it, he knows. He's, yeah. The prophecy yes. has, you know, and yeah. I, I was actually going to or, or like bring him like, up. Mary in the Magnificat, like all yeah. the, like the mighty have been cast down and the humble mm-hmm. have been exalted. Um, This, you know, when, you know, Jesus is, is but an embryo, you know, like this, this stuff has yet to happen. And yet she speaks of it as if it already is exactly. like, like even the tense she uses is very interesting. And so when she says at the end of her song, come on, I'm ready. I've been patient and steadfast and steady. It, you almost think she's going to go all Job, you know, but she doesn't. She says, bless me now. Like you blessed us all those years ago. Like she's still expecting good things and knowing that somehow she has something to contribute in there. And I think, I just think that's beautiful. She just keeps asking, just keeps asking. Okay. So she keeps going. Right. And so part of her gift to the other thing that the other gospel that came into my mind too, was, was, uh, and you'll know it, and I can't think of the citation right now, but where we're being exhorted to settle disputes quickly and to like 
as you're going to settle them, make up on the way, like be quick to just to apologize because you can't really be in communion with God unless you're in communion with the people he loves. And no, we, I don't like that. I hate that. It's really frustrating. I, I, I don't want to do that very often. And it's like, but that's part of the deal. Right. And she has that same reaction, which is like, are you freaking kidding me? I have to hug my sister. Like that's the one, but it isn't until she can, she goes to her, to her and like lays it out there. And they actually have this moment of forgiveness between them that everything else starts to open up. Right. So that, that crack that's between them is, is healed. And then everything else can, it's only then that her sister can start to discover her own potential and her own ability to, to make things that are beautiful in totally different and unexpected ways and are not really necessarily all the way safe. The flower stuff that she, she sings about there. I have to find this. I wrote this down. Um, she Mirabelle or the flower. No, um, Girl. Isabella somewhere in your 17 pages of notes. <laughs> it is, it is 17 pages. So I was looking, I was trying to figure out what the plants were that she was singing about. So strangler figs, like that sounded to me like maybe not super peaceful. And so strangler figs are not very nice plants as far as plants but, but, go. Right. But so instead of just rows and rows of roses, though, she starts just making co-creating, right. She yeah. starts like starts with a fly cactus. Well, she starts, but she's like cooperating with this creative force, which isn't always going to produce things that are safe and beautiful. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the strangler figs. um, I was reading that, that the host tree canopy gets shaded by the, by the fig foliage and its own root system has to compete with it. And so it can wind up being killed by the host. Not, I don't know. I can see why she might be afraid of making that. Right. But that's part of life. Like if you make a graph versus host (laughs) Tobias joke. (laughs) Um, but you oh, know, you like, know my brain too well because that's I exactly know. what I was thinking of. I know, and like the um, the palma de Sera, the wax palms, Graffers were the wax of the trunk used Wimbledon to be used final. to make candles, which is really interesting. <laughs> um, and the hakaranda trees are supposedly signs of um, good luck or blessing. So there's all these things that are mixed together in her her own canvas, which I loved. I just thought that was that was beautiful. Um, because she couldn't have felt comfortable doing that before. Shannon? Yeah. Can we talk about Bruno? Oh, we don't talk uh, about Bruno. No, let's talk about Bruno. So I love oh, Bruno. Okay. But guess- but so there's the fear too, right? Like he sees things and people and- are afraid of what they don't know and they're afraid of dying because everyone's afraid of dying. And-, and and they think that they misinterpret his ability to tell the future as definitive. They think they think he's like cursing them somehow. Correct. Correct. The vision of, of her is so interesting because even as she's putting it together, like you can see, they can't quite figure out what's happening because it's shifting, it's moving mm-hmm. because it's dependent on what she chooses to do, which road she chooses to take. And, and again, she has that ask, seek, knock where she finally gets him to do the vision again so she can see it. And he's ready to give up again. And she's like, no, wait, there's a butterfly. We got to follow it. We got to just keep going, going, going. Um, Mariposa. Mariposa, all of that, those foundation cracks in the house, of course, are like the family is eventually going to crack under this pressure if they don't realize that what they have has been, as you pointed out, Christopher, given to them, entrusted to them 
but it is not of their making. And they, they have to try to have that same spirit of trust that they had in the beginning. And if they can't do that, and it, but we, you know, you grow these layers of fear and the, the grandmother, she's, uh, you know, people hate her. She's like, they're like, she's so toxic. She's so harsh. Well, she is harsh, but it's because she is not trapped. very nice to Mirabelle. No, she's not. She's not. And, but it, all of it is from a place of fear. She's not trying to yeah. dominate her. She's ter- right. And She says, you know, and it's very clear. She's terrified of losing everything they have. And she doesn't even say everything I've built, just everything we've been giving. She's so afraid of being in that place again, where they're homeless, you know, there's, there's nothing. And I think, you know, if you're, so it's okay if you're that a 20 year old refugee with triplets that sees your husband. No, I'm get- not even kidding about that. Like we're, Rose and I were talking about that. Like, of course she's going to be like, you know, a little uh, on edge about losing their home. Yeah. Always. And, and even if like she goes a little over the top and is a little bit mean, it's kind of understandable. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's not, ex- it's not excusable, right? It still has to get dealt yeah. with, but it is sure. understandable. Right. But that's why exactly. I think the, the this movie. But that's is, what everybody does. It It is what it's the human condition. But what I think we lack. Yeah. She's a not lot. like a, a wicked, you know. Character. No, no. Sure. she's no, again, she's her intentions are in the right place. She's trying to protect. She's trying but to sustain. also like Bruno disappeared because of her. And yeah, Mirabelle, and, you know, and the that- sadness of his little hole where he he's sort of like sitting on the other side of the kitchen wall so he can still be part of it's it's heartbreaking because he's just missing. There's nothing sometimes worse than being misunderstood. That's um, real life though. True. That is real life. And like a lot of times in families, the people who say the uncomfortable things or who no one wants to hear it. And so they do mm-hmm. sort of shun you and they don't, they, but all of that, like the fam- nothing can grow stronger until they tear it all down. Listen, um, Thomas is a truth teller. And if his family is going to reject him for just telling hard truths, he's going to deal with it. There you go. So that's wearing a rope. I think he's I think wearing he a, it's a smoking jacket. Do you call like that a dressing Hugh, gown like in, in Finland? <laughs> is he even listening to us or is he watching TV? I know it's a robe. Are those four you, dots you peasants on it, not wear robes? On the screen? Okay, no, final point. Those on the screen. Ryan, what was your question? Your, your screen. So it's about empathy. And what Mirabelle has as part of her gift which is sort of undefined is she has a little bit of everyone's gift, right? So they are all like these highly, highly sensitive people. The one who can hear everything. So she has to keep everyone's secrets. The one who has to force herself to be in a good mood. So everyone else can have a sunny day. The one who has to physically move and carry everyone else's burdens. The one who has to heal. Those are all, those require a a tremendous amount of being attuned to the people around you and their needs, which is exhausting, I say, as the mother of four, it is exhausting to be constantly attuned to everyone else's needs. Um, It's necessary, though. And so she has elements of all of those because she's so deeply empathetic. And so what she winds up doing is hearing everybody as they really are and healing each person in their individual ways and making something beautiful and different and lightening the, the load that everyone has to carry and ultimately like making the the whole point at the end where the community comes in and says lay lay down your load like lay it down we all have to learn to do that and it's so hard you want to do everything yourself or you feel like you have to do everything yourself you don't want to accept help but until you do you're you're just going to keep going in in circles and that pressure is going to grow and the house is going to crack and the family is going to fall apart um so it's very i mean that's happened to everybody that happens to families all the time with small things but it's it's uniquely her that's able to sit with her grandmother just like watch through her eyes what happened and why 
yes, her grandmother is responsible for like everything falling apart, but why? And once she can get to that, dig underneath the foundation and figure that out, it's like, you know, therapy session right there, then it can start to be healed and then they can build something new. So she's got a little bit of everything. Here's something I was thinking about. I haven't totally thought this through, so you just have to bear with me. But so her name Mirabelle means, I think the word itself means like wondrous or wonderful, but I looked it up. But when I first heard it, I heard it as two words, like Mira Bell, like look beautiful. at the beauty, look yeah. at the beauty. And the, the end scene where they, you know, the whole community comes together and they build this new house and it's not magical, but that's okay because they are the magic. They, and then they say, okay, you're the gift or, and the grandmother apologizes for, you know, living in fear and for holding on so tight that it wound up hurting them, blah, blah, blah. She and to the Bruno's, contractor, this estimate is 200% yeah. too high. Yeah. And, and Bruno says, you know, you're, you're the gift. Um, you, you have to be the one to let us in. And she does. They can, that is such a beautiful moment. She is the only way they can get in because of all that stuff she did without just as part of her journey, figuring out, okay, well, first I have to reconcile here and then I have to bring him back into the fold. And then I have to, you know, and they give her this doorknob and I just, you know, that brings you back to the scene where she loses her door and it has the M on it. And I just found that so beautiful because it's not a, a lock with a, a keyhole. Like she's not, she's not the key. They all are. It's not relying on her, but she's the one who can like, just that idea of you've been standing here knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. Now you get to open the door and she, and, but her grandmother says, look, what do you see? And she looks at her reflection and she says, I see me. And I just thought like Mira Bell, like she sees her own place. She sees her own beauty. And it's only then that like the magic, then the, the, the miracle is, is, given all over again. I just love it. And I, and I think that the lyrics in that all of you at the end. So she, in the beginning, she's talking about her family shining. And at the very end, she says, you know, we need a new foundation. Look at this family, a glowing constellation, so full of stars and everybody wants to shine again, not for their own sake. And then she says, but the stars don't shine. They burn, which means like, they're supposed to like, there's, they're supposed to burn themselves out at some point and become something new. Um, and that's when the grandmother comes and apologizes and says, you're more than you're more than just your gift. The miracle is you. And she says, all of you twice. And I, the way that I hear that is like individually, all of you, Haberman, all the parts of you, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of you is the gift. And then all of you, meaning the whole family, the whole community. And so it's just this gigantic body of Christ moment. Like you need every part, you need everyone's gift. You need the fingernail, you need the knee, you need, it doesn't matter what your, what your role is. If you're not there, it doesn't work. And it all has to, you all have to be in the spot you're supposed to be to make the whole thing work. Paraphrase Paul, can the head say to the hand, I have no need of you? No. Exactly. Those are, those are many of my thoughts about why this is an amazing movie and universally applicable. Can I do my Encanto quote now? Please do. From the yes. movie. Okay. Excellent. You're uh, not supposed to tell us the movie. Oh, so yeah, that, that comes afterwards. Hey, uh, uh, <clears throat> we have a movie quote, Thomas. I heard you have a movie quote for us. Thank you, Chris. Uh, yes. I have a movie quote for this week. <clears throat> 
excuse me, it is my first time in Phoenix. How do I get to Encanto? You drive down the I-10, you pass 7th Street, you get to 7th Ave, you take a right, you drive past McDowell, and uh, Encanto's uh, driving range and clubhouse is going to be on the right. And that was uh, John Leguizamo, something like that, uh, to uh, Mauro Castillo in uh, Encanto. He's the titular Encanto. He's the guy from um, Ant-Man, right? <laughs> Funny comic really. Shannon, can I ask you what you thought about uh, the liver spots? As we approach photorealism and animation, Abuela we talk had, about liver. Abuela had some um, phenomenal no, no, liver spots. No. Did, did, am I the only one who noticed that? I, I, I didn't s- specifically notice the liver spots. Okay. Should I have? You should, you should get a bigger and better TV. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, email JVL. Yeah, you do that. All right, uh, Shannon. Do you know, do you know yes. what liver spots are? Yeah, on your skin. Just, like blotches. Age what... spots. Okay, all right. You yeah. know I what mean, liver I'm spots 42 are. 42 years old. I'm sure I have a few starting, so yeah. All right, well, uh, Shannon, how about you give Encanto a, 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 a rating? Encanto? Oh, a solid A. Out of? Out of A through F. Oh, oh, you do it like that. Okay, Chris, a rating Weird. for Encanto. Uh, My seven... cinema score is an A. Seven magic homes. Excellent. Seven, seven magic casitas. Mm, uh, six and a half Encanto horses. Are, are those blind? Or no. blind. Yep. They oh. have very, the very. The rider of ears. the horse is blind. It <laughs> goes off, jumps into the water. Wait a second. Okay. Are you telling me this whole time the girl was blind and not the horse? Girl was blind. Oh, man. Before we go, Ryan has one more thing for the show. Ryan, shoot. Okay. Well, this isn't going to be anyway. Okay. So this was going to be, if we had done the best of uh, an end of the year show, which we didn't um, not the one that I recognize anyway, this was going to be one of my lists, but it's not a list. It's just my best thing. So this is something Piper does. Um, Piper sometimes confuses pronouns like the her and him. She's fine with she and he, she usually says her exclusively. Um, so when she's talking about her brothers, um, she'll say her when she would say him. Is this a wee harmony um, moment? She uh, knows. <laughs> she she knows. Sometimes she knows, and sometimes she corrects herself. Uh, and, I know English isn't him. my it, uh, English isn't my first language, but her brothers sounds anyway, correct to me. Uh, this is just um, no, not her brother. She'll like she's talking about Jonah. Uh, Jonah lost her, you know, saddle. This isn't like, um, this is just more cute than anything. And I'll be sad when she grows out of it. Um, so her brothers have gotten mildly annoying in that they have started saying bruh or like <laughs> bro or bruh after everything. I mostly, disowned them. Mostly Jack and Rhett who are 9 and 11, which is the age which it's annoying, but it's okay for them to say bruh. Last week, I heard Piper say burr. And I was like, that's weird. And she's in the other room and like I was busy or whatever later, like she asked me, we, cause she, she basically all they drink is Gatorade zero. She asked me, is there any more Gatorade? And I said, no, I'll have to get some more at the store later. And she said, Burr. I was like, what, what does that mean? I was like, are, are you cold? I kept hearing her say burr in situations throughout the day. And I finally figured out she was saying burr in place where her brothers would say bra or bro. <laughs> I said, you know, we I'll get some more Gatorade Zero at the store later. 
and her brothers would have said brah but she said burr and so i figured out that so she's not a big bill burr fan she thinks that burr is like is like the feminine version of bra cute and so that's what she says like just like random times throughout the day in any place where her brothers will say like brah she says burr and (laughs) she even she even explained it to me um so i wrote this down which i'll have to like see okay and i said um so you say burr and not bruh and she said bruh is for brothers and i'm not a brother oh that's so cute (laughs) so in more ways than one that's so cute (laughs) and so that's when i figured out that she says burr instead of bruh she's so darling Love that we just heard an origin story for how the entire Kenny family joined the tracksuit mafia in Hawkeye. I have one last question for you. This will be quick. Uh, this is a little bit old news, but I saw that uh, Connor McDavid uh, tested positive for COVID. I just wondered, what does this mean for MMA? Because as far as I know, uh, it's a really like a close contact sport. So what what does this mean for the future of mixed martial arts? That is all the time we are giving to this episode. Thank you, Chris, for participating. We will be back again next week, uh, hopefully with uh, a guest that, that Ryan will try to schedule. Light a candle. Uh, keep Light more fo- than one. Keep four of them burning. Uh, go taste a burr. That's it. We're out. Thank you. Thank you.